Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, broadcasting live in the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Farber, and today I'm in the studio with Karen Nowicki. Karen, how are you today? So wonderful. Happy to be here in person with you. Excellent. I'm so happy to be here as well. Before we're going to talk a little bit about Karen, I want to just talk with you a little bit about this podcast series. As you hear it in the introduction music, we are about helping us to connect more deeply to what's true. And if your life is anything like mine, you get challenged every day in some way and saying, hey, are you sure about that? Are you sure about what you stand for? Are you going to give in to anger or fear or some other emotion that can take us into a place where we afterwards think, well, maybe that wasn't the wisest. So Ruth and Unwavering is a podcast series where we talk with leaders from all walks of life to hear from, from them and to hear their stories about what's it like to learn about connecting with what you truly value and live and lead from that place. So today I'm here with Karen Owiki. Karen is the owner of iNudge LLC. She's a trauma guide and also the founder and leader of Phoenix Business Radio X. So I'm actually in Karen's professional home or one of her professional homes. Uh, so I'm so happy to be doing that with, with Karen. I'm going to say a little bit about Karen, but before I say anything sort of about your quote-unquote resume, Karen, I want to say something about what struck me when the, was the first time when I met you when I was sitting in this room as a guest when we talked about climate consciousness. And I was struck by the warmth of your eyes and the strength of your spine and then the resoluteness of your mind. I was just blown away by all of that coming together immediately. And then since then, over the last almost year that I've known you, I've been very much inspired by your ability to be kind and be clear and entrepreneurial and take on responsibility to help all of us be uplifted. Mm -hmm. And that also is what I see Karen do in her life. She is, as I said, a trauma guide. And my sense with Karen is she doesn't stay in the trauma. So it helps you to get through it. So you can actually sit in your true seat as opposed to the trauma, which is often about, well, we'll talk about this, things that we have made up that start to become some kind of thing in our head. Uh, she is uh, a person that helps organizations and people lead and drive their businesses and strategies more effectively. So people are, and clients are happier, they are healthier and more successful. It's an important uh, combination of those three. She is a studio partner for the Business Radio X and host of the Phoenix Business Radio Show and others, as I know about. She is very connected in the Arizona 
business and leadership and educational community. And it's interesting. I just was talking with Karen before the show and she was talking to me about uh, something that she wanted to go do out in nature. I think it's paddle boarding, if you hope you don't mind my sharing. And she said, no, no, on Sunday I have a planning meeting <laughs> and some other things to do. Karen works with lots of people in the Arizona community, basically with businesses to help them become more realized. And uh, I see you doing that everywhere. She's very innovative. She works with innovative, passionate and driven people to make a difference in that community. She's also a published author, a mother, accomplished speaker and trusted advisor to business owners, senior executives and educational leaders. To name a few things, to name a few things. I know also you're an excellent paddleboarder, <laughs> great hiker. You've been, we've been on hikes together. A long, fun hike. And a great host. So now I am, I'm almost feeling a little intimidated <laughs> to, to speak with the master. So Karen, tell me a little bit about connectedness and what have you learned about connectedness in your own life? It starts with me. <laughs> the ability to connect well with people of all walks of life and all ages and all states of being requires me to be really clear about how deeply I am connected with myself first and always. I, I love the introduction that you've shared and what you've witnessed about me as we've gotten to know each other professionally and personally as well. And I'm also smiling because Daryl, who produces our shows and is in the studio with us, he's seen sides of me that are not always, and sometimes in my crazy. And uh, the ability for leaders or individuals or myself, if I were to own it completely, to be real in the moment when I'm feeling something, something shows up, and to be able to speak to it the best I can without shame or without guilt and just owning it makes a huge difference for the way in which I can then coach and be with other people and teach them to do the same. Too often, I feel like we try to stuff our emotions and our feelings. And if we're doing that and we're trying to show up because we have to be a certain version of us, we're missing out on that opportunity to really be vulnerable and and see what's what's there for us from a really deep perspective. Mm -hmm. I love that fierceness and fearlessness to be able to be with all of it and not only only be with it, but also to share it. So that's interesting that you say to to truly connect to others, I have to be connected to myself and I have to not stuff anything, but actually share it. So say a bit about how you do that. And at the same time, don't get lost in the share. So we don't fall into what Carolyn Mace, I think, doubts as, as defined as, as woundology, where we just sit and share and and then we stop there. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's a challenge. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, I, an example that comes to mind right away is a phone call I got at uh, probably seven this morning from a, somebody professionally that I uh, serve on a board with. And we had a meeting last night and it was uh, it was an uncomfortable meeting for her, she felt like she was in the hot seat. And in a sense, she was, even though it was all of us, there were six of us delivering with kindness and intention on behalf of her and her, the organization. Uh, she was in tears this morning. She called just to say, can you sit with me in this? And, and then proceeded to apologize for how she was feeling. And I said, you've, I believe you called the perfect person <laughs> and I'm fine with the tears mm. and I welcome them and I encourage you to do the same. And so when we have emotions and then our feelings 
quickly follow our emotions. I always say to people, it's a matter of paying attention to what those emotions are telling us and those feelings are telling us about our current state. Mm. And then being able to be a witness to that mm. and recognize and acknowledge it helps us clear it and let us move that, that emotion or that feeling through our body rather than it getting stuck in there. Uh-huh. So I was able to help her do that this morning. And yeah. because I was part of that meeting and had my own response and reaction to it, I got to pay attention to how I was feeling about it as well. Does yes. that get at what you're asking me? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I love that by sharing, it's both a sharing with ourselves. It's like, oh, I am feeling fill in anger, sadness, despair, joy, whatever. Uh, And by being able to name that and being with that, that already starts to start some movement. And then I'm also hearing you talk about and then being able to share that with somebody else that also helps to create some movement. So so tell me a little bit about how you connect to your emotions as a leader and and as a human being in general. Like how do you do it? Like what is your what's your process? Well, on a daily basis I start with a meditation or some sort of moving meditation so that I can clear the cobwebs and set an intention for the day. And then as the day gets moving, stuff shows up. (laughs) A conversation that's unexpected, something that I haven't delivered on, or a moment where I might feel triggered and I'm not even sure why. And to the point that you just shared, I'm really good about becoming that witness and observer to the way I'm showing up in every moment and continuing to bring myself back to the present moment. And I think that's a habit that takes some time to form, first beginning with willingness to say, I can be a student or a witness to my own self and then continuing to keep myself in check with, with that. So if something happens in a, in a day, in a moment, that I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling angry or frustrated. And sometimes for me, it shows up in my body first before my head has caught up to say, this doesn't feel good. Then I can say, all right, I'm, I'm, I have a lower back pain. Or I'm starting to feel a little uh, confronted. <laughs> And then I can just acknowledge it and then step into, okay, now, where is this coming from? Is it really that Hilka is the one that's, you know, even though you might be the messenger and I might be triggered, sometimes it really isn't you. There's just something from my past that might be trauma-related <laughs> that's showing up. And then I get to be really responsible for, is is what Hilka's saying to me something that needs to be cleared? Or am I aware that something's showing up and this is an opportunity for him just to simply be a messenger and me to separate myself from that? So there's a lot of uh, self-talk. We're always doing self-talk. I know you you speak a lot to that. It's raising the vibration and the quality of this of my self-talk so that I can continue to be in the moment. Raising the quality of my self-talk. That's I'm going to take that with me. Raising the quality of my self-talk. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Karen. And... and so that we make it very real. If you're willing, would you be willing to share with us maybe an experience of where you got triggered and you went through this process of, huh, increasing the quality of my self-talk. Is this that thing over there, the person over there? Or is it my trauma or maybe something both and clearing? So can you say a bit more about an example so we can watch it from a from a from a distance which is a little easier than actually being in it ourselves I, I can uh, the the first example uh, or story that shows up for me is 
personal in nature versus professional. Are you comfortable with that? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> and you and I spoke about it on our hike. It, I don't know how it, it came to be that we were talking about. I have just recently started dating again after a very traumatic divorce several years ago and felt like I was ready for love and someone came into my life. And for four months, it was very exciting. And we were both on the same page, speaking the same language, same activities. And then over the holiday, uh, he wanted to step away from the, the relationship. And we were already talking, this is forever, you know, <laughs> we're, we're partners, that sort of thing. And I was left rattled, really rattled. And sadness and anger showed up and questioning, replaying stories and conversations. And I knew I wanted to pay attention to what was showing up for me so that I could discern between what was really happening between the two of us and this very quick bond that we formed with each other and making a choice. Do I want to continue to honor that? And is that something we'd share in person? And how much of what I'm feeling and experiencing is a traumatic response. Mm. And what I came to within, it it really took me a couple of days. Mm. Mm. I was faced with a feeling abandoned. Mm. And even though I've unpacked that, um, mm. that trauma <laughs> that I've carried with me for several years, I'm 58, so I don't know how many years, but way back to my mom, uh-huh. even though I've worked through that trauma before and I've felt those challenges before, here they were again Mm. (laughs) with a different face, a different relationship. And I was really able to say to my then partner, this is what's showing up for me. And the story that I've been telling myself is this. (laughs) And I could could then have a quality conversation, continue to grow a relationship, a very deep friendship with somebody, even though we're no longer romantic and a couple, because I got to own the stuff that I was bringing to the relationship that I wasn't even aware of that was creating this this discord. And in turn, he got to own his stuff. I'm just struck by, well, first of all, your courage to talk about it because we're March. This is recent history. (laughs) Very recent. (laughs) And the clarity with which you process this and also the honesty and the humility to say this is not a pill this is a couple of days, and I sense hard work. A lot of hard work. Yeah. It's, it's like I shared about the gal who called this morning, giving myself space to feel the sometimes darkest, deepest emotions mm. and not making myself wrong or making anybody else wrong for those moments that I'm feeling in despair or anguish. Because think about, like, I'd like just to think about for a moment about the alternative, right? Where we don't. Let's say you hadn't owned the traumatic reaction, which was, you are abandoning me. Like many times before, many, 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 many episodes of this particular movie that I am in, but I don't know I am in it. So I keep looking at the same movie. You know, I had to come starting with the experience you had with mother early on, which she, by the way, did totally unconsciously, right? She didn't right. abandon you intentionally, yet that was the impact on the child. Let's say you hadn't done that work. Hmm. Where would you have been then with this person? Clamoring first, (laughs) trying to, and and boy, those ideas and thoughts were in my mind. How can I make this work? Uh, The desperation, the grabbing, the holding, the, hmm. let me prove to you that I'm worthy. Or, or and, uh, blaming. Yes, yes. And even maybe shaming 
that this, you know, here's all the things that you said and I believed you. And what now, right? So uh, did those thoughts cross my mind? Did I feel those emotions as I was working through it? Was some of that expressed with him? Yes. And I've learned to be able to do it from a, here's what I'm experiencing, or here's the story I'm telling myself, so that the people that I'm in relationship with, yourself included, we've had some of these conversations business-wise where we get to say, this is what's showing up for me. And and they haven't always been easy conversations. But be able to not blame and put it on somebody else is, I think, the greatest gift in being connected with people. Let's hear that again. Let's hear that again. But not putting it on somebody else. So when I'm feeling whatever that I'm going to put words into it, lower vibration, thought, feeling, that's a little telltale or big, er, er, er. do not put your stuff on somebody else because that disconnects. You actually have the opportunity to take it back at the process. And I just want to acknowledge those those true two strategies because I sense we all have that capacity in us. I know I have. <laughs> and I have been there. Like, you're going to do this to me, meaning you are abandoning me, right? I now am going to convince you with pull out all the stops, clamoring. That's the one strategy to get you back which is not even getting you back because there's nothing to do with you. It's all about my projection, right? <laughs> which, like, once you look at it, it's kind of funny, but when you're in it, it's very... It doesn't feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> funny. And then the other side is, I'm going to put it to you. Like, how could you do this? That's funny. I, When I was in my 30s, I liked to watch Sex in the City and, you know, what the girls were talking about. And there was often that kind of letter, <laughs> that letter bit about, how could this person do this to me? And and it's interesting because it sounds so convincing, right? If, if I just put the, the spreadsheet, he said this and then he did this and then you felt that, therefore he's that. But that's the trauma spreadsheet. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. So, and now you have this friendship with this person that's it's deepening. It's an amazing friendship and I'm grateful and... I anticipate that it'll be a forever friendship. So let's just stay with this for a second because I think it's very rich. So when you got that news, you went somewhere, meaning inside. How do you keep it together? So I'm going to challenge or suggest a different language for that. When we experience difficult news, I always envision it that I actually don't go inside. The first reaction is that I go outside of myself. Uh I kind of lose myself in it. Uh, and and when trauma, and, and this was in a way traumatic, it was news that I had not expected to hear <laughs> and tr- triggering. And we go to fight, flight, or freeze, or sometimes fawn, the clamoring, the let me prove myself. I mean, over-nurture and take care of you instead of me. We automatically go to one or a combination of those places. And, and that I kind of visually see that as outside of ourselves. And so, again, this goes back to being a witness as to what happened. And and if we're not clear about how our brain shows up in those traumatic moments and know how to bring ourselves back into our gut and our heart, we can stay stuck in that place, which is why many people, when they've experienced trauma, they're not aware of it or they're disconnected from it because that's where their brain has taken them. I love the distinction of, no, actually, I'm not inside of myself. When I'm in the trauma reaction, I'm outside of myself, even though 
it may be experienced of being totally inside of myself. <laughs> That's the tricky part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in your work with clients as a trauma guide, mm-hmm. how do you guide people to gain that awareness of actually this is not you being inside of you. This is being you being outside of you. The first uh, distinction to help people understand is our relationship together that I really am just that I'm a guide. I don't have the answers for anybody. (laughs) I can hold space and I can create a dialogue and a conversation for uh, the opportunity for them to come back into themselves from a a very deep, soulful place. How we do it is through a series of moving meditations so that I teach them to warm up their, their gut and their heart. So much of the way that we function specifically here in the continental U.S., the Western world, is everything comes from our head, our thinking head. We're taught that way in schools. We're in our synagogues and our churches. Even though we talk about, you know, praying from our heart, oftentimes the conversations and the the prayers are all spent here. And so I help people come into their being, into their vessel or the container that we're given. We're given one body in this lifetime. And so how do we show up in that body so that we're vibrating fully mind, body, and spirit or mind, body, and soul? And so the first work that I do with people is help them get reconnected with their physical body. And it's a series of tapping. And then for the trauma piece as well, I take them through a meditation. And in that meditation, it is loosely guided meditation. And then we sit in silence. And they listen from a deep place within to perhaps a memory or a thought that shows up that wants to be integrated. And then we, we just have this process that we do together where they're in a semi-meditative state and they pay attention to their body. Where are you feeling this? What, what body sensation are you experiencing? It might be, uh, now I have a lump in my throat or my chest feels hollow. My stomach hurts. I've got a pain in my knee. And we have them become aware of it, speak to it, and then they they have this conversation with themselves as I guide them to work through integrating that experience back into a place that it's helpful for them in the here and now versus holding them hostage to the past. Mm. Because if we're still in fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, we're coming from a place of dysfunction. And when we can clear the actual physical shock out of our body— then we can be in alignment again with ourselves and be in the present moment and then have the wherewithal to make those witness observations about ourselves like we spoke about earlier. And then when we get triggered, we get to go, oh, okay, well, what's this? Where am I feeling it in my body? And it's, I believe in my lifetime, and perhaps I'll be proven wrong, but I believe in our lifetime, this is what we're called to experience over and over again. So again, that we continue to be more clear about our purpose and how we show up in the world and, and what we're here to do. So then bring that back to the experience you had with your now friend for life. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit more about how you mm-hmm. yourself went through that process? And I love the distinction of when I'm in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Maybe you can speak a bit more about what fawn means because I think that's a distinction many people don't know. Mm-hmm. I have this moment of like, oh, call for awareness, call for waiting, call for taking a look. And I'm particularly interested in, you, you used the word integrating several times, mm-hmm. how you integrate that memory. So tell, can, you, can you tell us a bit more about, let us in to the world of Karen. I'd love to hear like how you did that. I think that'd be really helpful for me and for many others. Mm-hmm. I tend to be an emotional person to begin with. <laughs> and for many years, I thought that that was something that I shouldn't do. I was told as a child, you know, 
you cry too much, you're, you're too much, all those things. I've learned with a lot of help <laughs> and a lot of studying and practicing that feeling the emotions is important. So when I witness myself in a moment of despair, I can call myself out to that. And I, while I could have gone to another trauma guide to work through this, and I do at times work through some of these things with the professionals that help me in all areas of my life and business, I knew that I could process this on my own to a degree. And so I just called myself out this, this pain, this sadness. Where, is the, where am I feeling this in my body? And in my case, it was a hollow chest feeling. It was like I had gotten punched in the gut. The inability to, to speak where the thoughts and the feelings get choked up in my throat. I think we've all had moments like that where our body says, this is not sitting well with us. And then for me, and what, where I guide my clients to go, is to just say to say that out loud. I'm feeling hollow in my chest. My stomach feels uncomfortable. My words are getting caught in my throat. And then continuing to give, I call it white space, an opportunity to clear that and just watch it happen. So for me, it's closing my eyes and watching the have a visual of what that's like inside my body and let it clear and pass. You had mentioned and pointed out that I use the word integrated a couple of times. A lot of times folks will come to me and they'll say, I want to be done with this. or I want to get rid of this. Mm. And there's a great difference between clearing and integrating and trying to get rid of something. Mm. Our past is our past. It also wants to be in the past and until we clear it in our physical body and can make amends with what happened and what's taken place and how we and somebody else have shown up in it, we will carry that into today's decision-making, whether we know it or not. And so when we integrate it, we give it new meaning. Mm. You did a lovely job pointing out that as a small child, likely, my mom really just showed up in the way that she only knew how to show up. It wasn't intentional. Mm -hmm. And, and I finally had to get to that place of forgiveness and understanding that so that I could integrate that experience with my mom and carry it into my life, my life in a more honorable and loving manner. Thank you, Karen. We're going to take a break in a moment. What I'm struck by, Karen, is the many distinctions in this process. And some of the things that I'd like to highlight for me as I was listening to you was, first, to notice I'm triggered. And don't stop there, because then you went into, okay, Karen was talking about then feeling our body and very specifically, oh, my, my, my gut might feel punched or I can't speak or I feel a contraction or hollow in my heart or whatever it might be. And it's interesting. And you didn't put any, and therefore I need to do this. Didn't hear any of that. It's more like I'm noticing. And then I heard you say something about white space and integration, which we're going to talk more about after the break, because I really want to know more about that process of integration as opposed to getting rid of. So we're going to take a break in a moment. You, we, you're listening to Root and Unwavering. And my guest today is Karen Nowicki. She is a trauma guide and also the founder and leader of Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. And if you're listening, I'm hoping that this conversation is helpful. Even if you don't believe you have active trauma, just to become aware. It's like, ha, huh, there may be shreds from the past that are clouding me to see today with clarity. See you after the break. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership team and culture development company. 
If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. So you're listening to Root and Wavering. I'm your host, Hilke Farber. I'm here with Karen Nowicki, who is a trauma guide and also uh, the leader of Phoenix Business Radio X. Karen, we've been talking about staying connected and staying connected to our true self by also being very aware of our emotions and our trauma reactions. Before the break, we were talking about into becoming aware of our traumatic reactions. And then you said something about integrating and white space and forgiveness mm -hmm. with your mother and all this. Say more about that, because that seems to me such a, 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 a rich area. Integrating for me uh, simply means that there is an opportunity in every experience that we have, every relationship that we have, to find the good in it. Every experience is meant to teach us something, if we're willing to be a student and observer to what it has to offer us. When we can identify where shock lives in our body and make room for it, as you pointed out before the break, and then I say bring white light in there, it's an opportunity to just sit with it. So some people want to say, okay, now I've identified it. Now get it out of there. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I want to be done with it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, a decision or a response that comes from our head. And our head doesn't always know to lead us and guide us in, in a way that's on behalf of our highest and best. Mm -hmm. It can when we're in accordance with our body and our soul. <laughs> we also struggle, though, if we're only taking cues from our head. Because if we're only taking cues from our head, then it's likely based on the stories we've told ourselves mm -hmm. And some of them may no longer be serving our highest and best. And so this idea of becoming a witness to ourself helps us be the observer and decide, is this the best version of me? And if it's not, then how can I move forward so that I can integrate and make peace with that part of me or this experience we've had together and let it serve where I'm headed right now and then in the future? So we're going to keep using your breakup <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's, a, I'm sure he will be thrilled <laughs> as a case study because it's it's it. I think it's it's a relatable experience. It is, and it's and it's fresh. And you brought in, so it's your fault. Karen. I did right, <laughs> and it is it is relatable. So I think we all we all go through experiences like that if if we're lucky. Yeah. If we're lucky, can I speak to that for a minute? Yeah, I have a beautiful wide wide circle of friends, both professional and personal, and have for years. I have many men and women in my life, again, professionally and personally, who've said to me, you are brave for getting back out there and dating again. I don't know how you can do it. I have been divorced or widowed or out of relationship for 10, 15, 20 years, five months. I'm never doing it again. And while that's tempting <laughs> in moments of anguish and despair or wanting to control everything in my life, and when you invite somebody else into your life, right, it, it changes it. There's a, a saying that, you know, if you, think you, if you think you have your life together or you think you've resolved all of your trauma, go get in a relationship <laughs> because it's going to pop back up. Same thing with a new client or a new neighbor, right? We're, we're in community so that we can work through these things. While I'm very happy with my life, very content, and have worked hard to be independent and, and enjoy my relationships and my businesses and my family and children and my friends— I also am in love with the idea of being in love. And I had to come to that realization too, mm. that there's a part of me that would like to have a relationship. And with that comes risk. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darn. Yes. And so we have to be willing to show up in the risk, just like in business. Uh-huh. We make those decisions, and sometimes there's calculated risk, sometimes there's unexpected risk. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing in being in relationship with people yeah. on an intimate level yeah. and leaving ourselves open for that and learning along the way. Learning along the way. Uh, I want to know more about this not flushing, not getting rid of, and integrating. Because that, that to me, is that, that liminal space is so rich and so inaccessible. And I loved how you talked about it from the head versus your higher being part. That was, to me, very rich when, I, when you talked about that. So in your recent experience, so what was your head saying, if you just let, 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 let your head speak, you feel these things, you couldn't talk, you felt that thing in the throat and the gut. What did your head say to do with that? If you just listen to that, what would the head say? So we know, we know it. Blame. Blame. <laughs> Blame. You tricked me. You tricked me. Yeah, you tricked me. This is what you said. I took it seriously. And, and now you're backing out. How, how dare you? How dare you? So it's, it's, it's putting it on the other person. Now, then you stop doing that at some point, and that's like stages of awareness, right? You stop doing that, and then you get to the place of, like, I feel these things. You, you didn't do this, but if you were to just listen to what your head wants you to do, how does your head operate with things in the body that don't feel good? Well, even after years of practicing, staying in my body and meditating and doing physical movement so that I'm always a clear, to the degree I can be a clear vessel, things get in there. And that's why practicing whatever it is you choose to practice to be more mindful Mm. and more centered is so important so that when things thunk you upside the head or something happens, maybe it's a car accident, perhaps it's a death of a loved one or announcement that that they're ill, we're going to be shocked and jarred. And if we have practices well in advance of these sorts of things, then we have presence of mind to be able to separate ourselves from that situation. So instead of dumping those kinds of comments on top of John in front of him and blaming and pointing a finger, I knew that I needed to feel that and got to do it on my own so that I could move it through my body and and come to that place of where do I want to be in this? Mm. What is the gift of this relationship? Mm. Why has this relationship come to me? And how can I honor and respect that? Mm. I'm hearing that you're giving yourself space to deepen. The surface, if I relate it to my own experience, mm-hmm. the surface is trying to fix, which is basically fixing the other person by blaming them. That's an easy way to fix. Or stuffing it or doing something about it. And you're asking a very different question, which is what is there for me to learn, which gets you into a deeper heart gut level. And there's two thoughts that come up for me. This is not me telling you what you need to learn from this, because that happens to us as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes we see, if you, if you could only show up this way and learn what I want you to learn, it's not about that. Yeah. And then another reaction could have been, and I'm sensing that maybe one of our listeners is, this might be important, would be to abandon him first. If I had felt it coming... <laughs> somehow some way to manipulate the situation so that I could be the one to say I'm out so so I could avoid mm-hmm. think that I'm going to avoid the pain and and cause it on somebody else. I think those are those are those reactionary behaviors that we have. Yes. And and this is owning 
my habitual or my head's desire to want to go to those places out of self-preservation and protection and being okay that that's that lives in me somewhere and it doesn't have to be the final voice. I love that you use the word final voice. So you've said a lot about connecting to a sense what your deeper, more final voice might be. What would you say to somebody who was in the midst of it? Is just in the midst of it and can't even get themselves out of the chair of whatever's going on, the shock. People are being laid off in droves right now. And, and, and that's a difficult experience to go through. What would you say to people? Move your body. Stay in movement. That doesn't necessarily mean staring at your phone <laughs> or a computer. I mean, there's p- times and space for that. Again, be aware of how you're showing up. When I go back to that earlier call today with a friend who was distraught and in that moment, she has a big day ahead of her with some very important donors coming to uh, her organization. And she said, if I didn't have them coming today, I would likely stay home and I would be in my bed all day. And I said, whatever you decide is for you to decide. If you feel well enough to go, go do that. If you do stay home, I'm going to encourage you to take a walk, <laughs> get out in the sunshine, move your body as often as you can. Because if we just are stagnant, then again, those thoughts become deeper more deeply rooted into our body and lodge themselves in places that are hard to to get out. But if we continue to stay in movement, Mm -hmm. then we can process the emotions and have them filter out without getting stuck in there that's going to hold us back. And it's such a paradox because part of me thinks, well, when I feel something, I put myself down and I'm going to start meditating. And what you're saying, which I also resonates with me, But maybe you can talk about that, these different strategies for a moment of dealing with these uncomfortable moments of like really putting yourself in a place of even physical stillness, meditation, when something really hard happens or move, getting out there, moving, maybe even exercising. And can you say about me a bit more about that menu of things that we have available to us? I agree that it's a menu of things. And I know you personally and professionally well enough to know that you've been meditating for a handful of years. A few decades. (laughs) A few decades. And so I'm sure that in your toolbox that that is highly effective for you because it's become part of how you show up and how you navigate your internal world, the communication that you're having within yourself and then with all of us that are blessed to be around you. My son has recently, just the last couple of days, gone through something that um, kind of rocked his world. He's 15 Mm. and has involved technology and um, social media, and it got spread like wildfire and involved a police report and some craziness. And I knew as a parent, in order to help bring him back into himself, that I've got to help him feel what he's feeling in his body and and teach him what I teach other clients to do. He sees me meditate in the morning, and typically it's a moving meditation. That's what I do best with. And in the evening, the same. And now <laughs> at, at, he's a little bit closer to me these next several weeks, maybe months. I'm inviting him into that so I can teach him how to do this together, right? So when you talk about having different options available to us to stay in communication with ourselves and deeply connected with ourselves, there's so many different modalities. Go find a handful of them is what I would encourage people to do. 
And if you're new, and this is all new to you, staying in movement, even if it's just, you know, <laughs> shaking and, and crossing the, the midline, your right and left brain, where you're just swinging your head back and forth, even for five minutes, it helps, again, bring all of the energy that you've put out here that's outside of you and feels unreachable, Brings it comes back into your body and, and you're, you're able to vibrate, as you said earlier, at, at a higher place mm-hmm. and be able to really begin to ask yourself those really thoughtful questions and mindful questions that are going to help you land in the lesson Mm. and in gratitude for the lesson and the people who brought it to you. That's beautiful, to help you land in the lesson. I hear such an act of grace in that. It's not a making it happen landing. It's it's like like a receiving that you allow to happen. You talked about vibrations, lower vibrations, high vibrations. So what is... Karen at lower vibration feel like? So we recognize in ourselves, what does Karen at higher vibration feel like? Because I'm sensing it's not about good and bad. It's just different experience. Yes. So Karen at lower vibration is craving sugar, is likely looking at her phone and shifting through social media more than she needs to, ruminating in a conversation that didn't feel good over and over and over again, just to sit in the yuck of it. Mm. It is perhaps watching TV or gossiping and eating food that doesn't doesn't nourish me. (laughs) And higher vibration, Karen, Mm -hmm. is aware that she sometimes gravitates towards those things Uh (laughs) and gives herself grace and space that, you know, if she wants a little piece of chocolate or, or wants to give social media some time just because, you know, I need a break, I'll put a timer on it. And I'll have one piece of chocolate instead of 20, which I used to do. I think you and I had that conversation on a hike. We both could relate similarly. I love chocolate. So yeah. do I. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's great for us in moderation. Uh-huh. Uh, higher vibration, Karen, is uh, making time for meditation, mm-hmm. being willing to say, I'm sorry, I hear you, mm-hmm. eating foods that nourish me, spending time in relationships that feel good and reciprocal, versus the ones that uh, feel heavy. Spending time on my mission and purpose, the studio, my coaching practice, so that more people can come to better know themselves. Those all feel, have me at a, at a vibration that's elevated. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about that clarity is it means that I'm, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> yes. and, and, and getting okay with that. I used to be a people pleaser and really wanted to you know, what's not to like was kind of my attitude. <laughs> right. And then the more clear I get about my purpose and mission, the more aware I am that not everybody would understand and nor do they need to. It's not my job necessarily to, mm-hmm. you know, educate. Mm-hmm. I just trust that the universe and the way I'm showing up at that higher vibration, the right people are going to come into my sphere and, and I will be blessed with that exchange to learn and grow from and with each other. And the humility with which you speak that resonates with me and also the clarity and my sense that list you know we can ask that question to anyone lower vibration higher vibration you know, in the terminology that was once given to me we talked about the crocodiles and the owls the same it's like a playful thing like this these things is the lists are probably different for everyone what would you say is the feeling tone when you're in higher vibration does that mean you're happy not always Ah. Peace and happiness to me are different. I can feel a sense of peace and still be surrounded by chaos and questioning. 
that sense of peace is higher vibration. Mm-hmm. Uh, happiness for me, as long as I'm centered and grounded and experiencing the moment in the here and now, it's a higher vibration. Even difficult conversations and sadness can be a higher vibration, again, if I'm paying attention as a witness to where it's taking me and leading me. And it's when I'm unaware and I'm not paying attention to how I'm feeling Mm. and letting it take over (laughs) as if it's me, Mm. that's when I'm at a lower vibration. When I let it take over as if it's me. I'm going to take that with me too. When I let it take over as if it's me because that's when I lose perspective. And, and the perspective creates the gives space for the questions. And the questions provides a perspective also. It's like an interplay. So in your journey of connecting more and more deeply to yourself and living your purpose, which I see you do in so many different ways, you know, in like business in your personal life, where do you feel called to? What do you feel called to in this, in this stage of your life? To be available to more people well beyond my current sphere of influence, (laughs) to help leaders become more grounded in their true self. Mm. It's why I opened the studio six years ago as an integrative coach. I was working with executive leaders who were high profile and really had a lot of people that they were responsible for in a variety of different ways, depending on their careers. And I watched and got to witness and work with them as they work through some of their struggles, financial relationship, whatever it is. And it's then when I started working with professional leaders that I thought, my goodness, if I can help leaders come to know themselves better from a deeply soulful place and know how to navigate the storm when it shows up, then they will be a beacon, an example, and a model to all the people that are impacted and showing up in their life, rather than what we've seen, I think, a lot through leadership is this just coming from their head and their thinking. (laughs) I think that's part of why we're experiencing what we're experiencing globally, some of the challenges that we have, this big divisive everything when it comes to our economy, our spiritual beliefs, the way we show up in our relationships, just this disharmony, because we're so set on it has to look and feel this way, and I have to understand it. And if you're not part of the way I see it and understand, then there must be something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And if I can help people shed that mm-hmm. and have more clarity around, you're simply a mirror to me. Mm-hmm. And if I can love that part of myself, even though I might look across the table and hate you and what you represent, if I can fall in love with that part of me, that, that gives us an opportunity to move forward together from a foundationally peaceful place. That's what gets me excited today. And I, I know I just do it in my small way. <laughs> and yet excited that you and I are talking about working together on a collaborative project starting here in Arizona mm-hmm. and, and sharing our wisdom and our insight, not only with each other, but the folks that we invite into this playground with us mm-hmm. and learning with them as well is an opportunity for us to take it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to me that all the years that I've been working towards these kind of things, that it would land with someone like you as, as a potential partner to say, let's do this together. We're coming at it from different places. Let's see what this looks and feels like. And the whole time, keeping each other accountable and speaking our truth as we do. We've yeah. had some crunchy conversations. Yes, we have. And, and, and then we are in this space of peace. Crunch, ground, and peace. Mm-hmm. So 
maybe say a little bit more, we're getting towards the end of our conversation amazingly already. You could think that trauma and leadership have nothing to do with each other if we didn't have this conversation. Now, I know this conversation has already shed a lot of light on this, but if you can just say briefly, say a bit about how working on trauma, and trauma is such a heavy word. Maybe there's another word we can also use for that in terms of leadership. How do you think that's related to leadership? I think all of our experiences lead us to some role in our life, career-wise. And leaders are often called to be an example or a model of something, regardless of the industry or the vertical or where they're showing up. And if we haven't taken time to look at how has my past impacted me, without judgment on it, just what in my past has happened to me and how has that impacted how I show up currently? And being able to make decisions about that from a deeply rooted place, then we can move forward in leadership that's solid and grounded in truth, our truth, and opening up an opportunity for others to live in their truth. Mm -hmm. That's the unwavering piece, I think, when we talk about the name of your show, right? Mm -hmm. Being rooted in our own truth, so steadfast in that and committed to that, Mm -hmm. that we are unwavering. And I think that When a leader looks at their past, we all have some sort of trauma. Trauma is relative. Some people come to me and they say, I'm embarrassed that I'm seeing a trauma guide because I had a a great life. I knew I was well-loved. I had a a roof over my head, all that. Yes, and experiences and relationships and events happened to you that were shocking and jarring. And in those moments, you went to fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, or a combination of, and then that shock has lived in your body since then. And until you can properly integrate it, clear it, and make peace with it, Mm. you'll continue to make decisions from that place. Then your past becomes your future. Correct. As opposed to being in that unwavering and rooted place. Wherever that may take you. Right? The sense of truth. That is your truth, not the pseudo-truth that's the echo from the shock that's still in the system somewhere. That's what we're talking about here. Very, very rich. I'm, I'm really loving this conversation. And if you're listening, maybe think for a moment about what might be a past memory. Don't even have to call it trauma, but a past memory that may be replaying itself in your current present. And would you, who would you be without that? And the way to get to it may be simply by looking at what's a challenge today. Like Karen had to courage to talk about dating. <laughs> like, okay, that's not very glamorous what you're telling me no. there, right? <laughs> Whatever it might be, you know, being fired, a meeting that didn't go well, uh, uh, a frustration you have with a neighbor, um, a big ambition that's not being realized, whatever it is, and ask yourself, how is my past playing into that? And then using Karen's advice, feeling where, that, where is that in the body mm-hmm. and sitting with it. And then becoming the witness of that and becoming an observer to that. Karen, we're getting to the fast, last, fast. We're getting fast (laughs) to the last few minutes of this conversation. What would you like to say by way of closing? What's showing up for me right now is that there are likely listeners who say, I close the door to things that don't feel good in my past. And that's worked for me to just shut the door, draw the shades, turn off the lights, walk away from it and, and throw away the key. And if that's working for you, keep doing it. 
It's likely, though, that if that was the approach that you took at whatever stage in your life that that took place, you're, if you really are paying attention, there are re- new relationships and experiences that are, I'm going to suggest, begging you to go back and open the door, let the shades up, ruminate in those p- prior experiences so that, again, you can integrate them and find the peace and the well-being in it and the lesson in it so that you can be a greater version of yourself right here, right now. What I hear people say is, when they come to me often, is I am afraid to open that door back up because I'm afraid that once I go back in there, I'm never coming out. And I understand that fear. I've been there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I encourage that you work with someone like Hilka and I so that you have an opportunity to be held with a professional if you're working through that, that can, that you know that you're safe and secure. And it doesn't have to be that life gets, has to stop to do this. We don't have to be the monk on the mountain for months or years on end to, to figure this out. We can build the house and remodel it while we're living in it. Open the shades. Let the light in. Let the light in. Because I think that's one of the things, Karen, that I love that you're saying is that at least my experience of difficult past, if there's a part of me that wants to stay in it and keep the clothes, the, the, shade, the shades down, right? And what you said today also was go out and move. Literally go feel the sunshine or wherever you are, the rain, the snow, whatever it is, but feel something outside of the experience that your trauma brain might be providing you with. Mm-hmm. So I really have enjoyed this conversation. A couple of things I took away from speaking with Karen Nowicki, who's a trauma guide and also the leader of Phoenix Business Radio X, is how important it is to not stuff emotions, but actually to be with them, to, to truly connect, to have trust that within us, there is this deeply connected, rooted place That's just here. All we need to do is to become a conscious observer of what's going on within us and then allow ourselves to feel in this vehicle of the body what's going on and where the shocks might still be. And I felt also in your energy, Karen, this sense of compassion with the shocks. Hold them, integrate them, forgive whatever you need to forgive outside of you so that you become this rootedness in in this goodness in this goodness that does not have these shocky kind of fight, flight, freeze, fawny kind of things happening anymore in the, in the present. So thank you so much, Karen, for being with us today. Thank you all for listening. Um, you've been listening to Root and Unwavering. And if you're interested in learning more about this series or having other conversations, you can Join us on Spotify or Apple, anywhere else where you can actually subscribe to this podcast. We also do community conversations on LinkedIn. Just look at Growth Leaders Network. You'll find us there. Our next guest um, in a couple of weeks will be a gentleman from the Netherlands, Bert van der Hoek, who is the chairman of Trimbos, which is the Institute for Mental Health in the Netherlands, where I'm sure we'll have some more conversations in this topic as well. And also from a systems perspective, and Bert also used to be the CEO of a large Dutch insurance company. So that's it for today. I hope you got some helpful nuggets today that help you to connect more deeply to you being rooted and truthful with everything in it. That's it for today. You've been listening to Root and Wavering, uh, where we connect more deeply to our innate potential, 
I'm your host, Hoka Faber. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.